1: to infinity. This is the Road to Infinity podcast. Uh, My name is Kyle. I'll be your host. We're discussing Captain America, the first Avenger. That music, of course, was from the 1966 cartoon. Not the first time Captain America has appeared on on the television screen uh, or the movie screen, but we'll get to that. Uh, I am joined today by my lovely wife, Denise. Hello. Thank you so much for sitting
0: in. Well, you know, I've been wanting to, but the scheduling is a bit of a pain, but... We made it work this time. We did.
1: So let's great, get right into this while, uh, while our children are otherwise occupied. <laughs> okay, so we are in July of 2011. As I mentioned earlier, the, uh, this is not the first time Captain America has been, think, nor was the cartoon the first time. Actually, Captain America's history uh, goes all the way back to 1944, where he had an, a, a black-and-white adventure serial. During the war, essentially, he was popular enough when he first premiered that uh, they actually commissioned a, a series of short films.
0: Films, he went to films immediately.
1: Well, yeah, films. I guess in that being sort of more like like The Perils of Pauline, like episodic. They were they were okay. twenty minute you know short one reelers. I think they called them. And then they would be like you know it would like Captain America would be hanging out the side of a building. What will happen next time? And then they would you know, you'd have to come back next week. You know, pay your nickel. Uh, and see what happened. How Captain America survived? They did. They did uh, about a year worth of those. So, I guess equivalent now would be uh, like a television series. That would just be episodes like that. But that back then it was you know short films. They're interesting <laughs> to watch. They, they they you know for being 1944 they they hold up pretty well. They're, they've aged better than some of the uh, black and white Superman uh, shorts have. <laughs> but that was not the the last time from then either. So in 1979. Captain America got his own television series, sort of another one a TV movie kind of thing. That was less noble to remember. Uh, it was very nineteen seventies. So they took the idea Ooh. of Captain America, and uh, he was living in a van, traveling around the country, <laughs> just you know, with his bell bottoms and his and his floppy hair. Uh, he had a cool motorcycle that lives in the back of the of the van that would that would launch out of the back of the van when he had to go into action. He had a uh, – his helmet was actually a full-on 1970s motorcycle helmet that had the A on it and had little wings on the, on the top of the helmet. 3D wings? Yeah, 3D wings, like real wings like, like the, uh, the cartoon <laughs> – I mean, like the uh, comic book Captain America had. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, and then his shield uh, was actually a clear lucite shield. That was also the windshield of the motorcycle. I don't even
0: know what to say to that.
1: <laughs> he would, he would, uh, he would like reach the motorcycle and he would pull off the the windshield of his motorcycle, and that would be the the shield, which he could then see through. And of course, then they could see him too.
0: I mean, I suppose they actually then called back to that in the movie because doesn't he do that in the movie? He uses his shield in the front of the motorcycle.
1: He absolutely does. I, that, I think that is a direct homage. To that, and not only that, but in the scene where Stan Lee shows up, okay, the actor saying next to him is that captain america
0: really i did not know that
1: yes that was that was a cameo for him very cool all right keep going but wait that but we're still not to this movie yet why is this movie called captain america the first avenger because there already was a captain america movie (laughs) in 1990 they commissioned a film of captain america through a to say it was independent is is uh it's not going far enough. It was a lot of money moving around to, to put this together. No real studios were involved. And it starred Matt Salinger. And if that name sounds familiar to you, yes, he is the son of J.D. Salinger, the famous author.
0: I'm trying to even like feel like if I've ever even heard of a Captain America movie in the nineties and I can't even recollect
1: it never got a wide release. Like they, they did. They, they, I say 1990 because that's when they shot it, but it didn't actually get released like wide released for a couple of years after there was lots of, uh, people, I think, trying to stop it, kind of like the original Fantastic Four movie uh, that Roger Corman shot. They, they did their best to sort of distance themselves from it. This is at the time when Marvel was really hurting for money and they would they would pretty much take any any money that was coming their way. And so they were like happy to have something coming in. But then when it was seen, how it showed up, they were less than impressed. So it, it sort of moved on. It's available now because Captain America, of course, is a big deal. And so you can, you can track it down now. I have never gotten through the whole thing. <laughs> it's pretty tough to... It's pretty tough to watch.
0: How many times have you tried? Uh, twice. Okay.
1: And I just, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't get through all the uh, Yeah. Um, the Red Skull is Italian, <laughs> not German. So, hey, I'm with the Red Skull. I mean, like it's, yeah. See, uh, when Captain America comes back to learn about everything he's missed, because it's, it's basically the same exact same story. Like he goes and he, he fights the Red Skull. He falls in the ocean. He gets revived, you know, in, in 19, actually in the future of 1993. The movie takes place in 1993, even though it was shot in 1990. Uh, and he has to learn about all of history by watching a stack of VHS tapes.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: But and, and, rest, and this is where I'll close out because I know that you guys are one to talk about Chris Evans. In the <laughs> the suit he has on is, is very accurate to the comics. Like it's, it's it looks like it just it's the same kind of classic sort of spandexy 1990s sort of style. Except that the comic with Captain America, his his mask has ears, like it, it holes cut out for his ears. Well, in this one, they actually didn't have the holes cut out. They just had a rubber ear stuck on the sides of the mask. Oh my god! So he's running around with this stuff, and those aren't his ears. Those are those are actually rubber ears on the thing. It's it's yeah. It's uh, I, I, the the rumor is that uh, that act, Matt Salinger asked if he could have a cameo in First Avenger, and he was politely ignored.
0: So can you go back and tell me a little bit about when Captain America came out? in the comics.
1: Yeah, we can talk a little about that. I mean, it was it was I mean, I think he just had his 75th anniversary or so. So I mean, it was right in that time of of World War Two and things, and before the war, actually before you know, I should say before the United States got in the war, when things were brewing, they developed that. It, it's this, He is not a Stanley creation. Um, Stanley did write some Captain America, but he is not responsible for it. It was uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, I believe, are the two creators. And I, I'm sorry for comic book geeks if I'm leaving anyone out. Um, they they came up with just a a straightforward two fisted American fighting, and and the origin is almost exactly what we see in the movie you know a young kid from the streets picked out wants to camp you know to learn to be a soldier um and went through the experiment and then dr erskine dies i mean like it's basically almost all this stuff the the whole he goes off to be join the uso thing that's a movie invention because from there like from the first time he you know runs out and you know and and has his and you know fights the 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 Hydra agent who uh, who uh, killed Doctor Erskine, he's full on into the war. Like it's it's from then on, it's just war stories. You know, it's just you know, it's, there wasn't all that the other stuff. Was
0: he created to be quote unquote? fight the bad guys fight the Nazis was that sort of his point like why they wrote the
1: comic yeah pretty much I mean it was it was at that time that sort of that that swell of American pride and stuff too and they wanted to have a character and he it's interesting that back at the time there was a lot of characters like that at the same time that came out so there's there's, and then there's also been some rights issues about like who came up with what and stuff too there was a character named The Shield who dressed very similar to that and had a shield that was in the same shape and they sued because his shape was the same as Captain America's shield and you know who inspired who and who was first, and so there's and the Fighting American was at the same time. I mean, there's there's a lot. It's Captain America has 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 survived. The rest of them have not. They are sort of part of comic book history at this point. But at the time, there was, there was a big upswell in that. Of there's a whole DC had a, a huge who was massive. They, this I mean, at the time that Marvel was it wasn't Marvel then. It was Timely Comics, and they were just a small publisher. DC was already had superman and batman they were dominating and they had a whole line of of war comics
0: it makes sense during that time of our history i mean that that would be who they would try to make a hero i find it very interesting that captain america that character captain america for whatever reason really lasted when all of those others didn't when that whole thing was a swell to we're going to fight the bad guys we're going to fight the nazis we're going to fight you know, whoever in America yeah. is the best, and it's so interesting that one yeah. made that and made it, and the others didn't.
1: And that famous cover of Captain America, socking old Adolf in the jaw, which is you see in the movie, and and you we get to see enacted in live action, was before that we got that the United States got into World War II. So I mean, it was it was very clear how things were going at the time. But uh, that's and that uh, so bringing back so looking back to Stan. The, the genius of Stan Lee was bringing him back. So Captain America was a wartime comic, but then he was not being published that whole time. Like after the the war stuff sort of faded in the in the 50s and, and, and America turned to war comics, from war comics, to romance comics, to sci-fi, to Western comics, all that stuff, Captain America just disappeared. Like he went, like with most of them, he just stepped aside. It was when they, in the 1960s, in 63, I think it was, that Stan Lee was reviving was coming up with the idea of what if we put a bunch of heroes together, give people more bang for their buck and like, hey, what if Captain America? And then came up with that whole story of like Captain America goes down, he's on ice and he gets woken up in the modern times, the modern times being the 1960s. Um, uh, and now we see the time and for the movie, they move the timeline forward. But that was, that was where he came to have this man out of time. Joining up with like the most modern man, yeah. being Tony Stark, right? Uh, the most primitive man, being the Hulk. It is an odd matchup when you think about
0: it like that. Yeah, and
1: that's even even. And uh, we'll get to it in the future. But uh, Joss. Whedon talks about how these people shouldn't even be in the room together, much less trying to save the world. And that that was where Stan's brilliance came from, is that they should not get along. (laughs) Like, this should not work because of these strong personalities and these vastly different perspectives on things. The man out of time, uh, you know, Hulk was actually semi-intelligent at that point, but still was not a team player. As we see, he—I think—he leaves the Avengers after like three issues, but then it's—it's it's always been sort of a dysfunctional family. It's very interesting. So moving into the, the comics, then Captain America. Then since then, so from from that time that he sort of is revived and joins Avengers, has had a kind of an up and down <laughs> period uh, in comics. He's, as any character with that long of a lifespan, he's had some some good storylines and some not so great storylines. There was a storyline where there, people were trying to get him to become president and that that was during the Nixon administration. So there was a whole corrupt politician thing that was going on through there. Uh, but then he's also been a werewolf.
0: Some things we probably
1: shouldn't even talk about.
0: Should we? I mean, is that even worse? Yeah, there's
1: sure there are comic book podcasts out there who are who have delved way more into the history than i but it's it's been interesting because he's he's had those ups and downs and i talked about back in uh the iron man episode uh heroes were born and captain america was part of that too they were sort of actually at the time captain america was the comic was doing really really well critically speaking but not sales wise so they lumped him in with it too so he also got shunted off to an alternate universe for a couple years uh and then came back and we came back um but that was interesting because that was when, like I said, he, he was doing really well for the fans. So Mark Wade and Ron Garney were writing him uh, and doing some of the best Captain America comics. And suddenly he gets yanked away from them uh, for a couple of years and shunted off to this alternate universe. And then when he comes back, they sort of marvel. I feel like approach them like hat in hand, going, "You know what you guys were doing before? Could you do that again?" And so they had to pick up sort of where they had left off. Like, okay, so he's been gone, and what does that mean? And and wrote, I think some of the best Captain America comics from that period on, or so that's some of my favorite.
0: You were saying in the one of the previous episodes. You'll forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was in episode one. That Iron Man and these characters that they are now working with, Marvel is working with, were considered second tier, if you're, I guess, if you're being generous. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't sound like Captain America was second tier as far as the comics were concerned. So why is he included in this?
1: marvel road well for a long time he was like he was and and it's very easy to like it's it's one of those things where like this is this is one of the reasons i want to do this podcast to to have that that hindsight because we look at it now and go yeah it's a slam dunk but it's it's very easy to get captain america wrong to think of him as just square jawed you know, baseball, apple pie, uh, you know, like that. Come on, citizen. You know, like that. Don't tug on Superman's cape. Well, what's going to happen? He's just going to turn around and be like, hey, come on. Don't do that. And Captain America can be seen the same way. He can be seen as a positive but bad side. <laughs> he can be seen as, like, always making the right choice, always doing the good for America. On the other side, he can be seen as very jingoistic. Uh, and actually, I would say after uh, September 11th, his comics became very very nationalistic where like because everybody's like we want to see cap punching al-qaeda so a lot of the stuff was him fighting terrorists and like it being in afghanistan and stuff i mean it was like it was very and i say those those comics have not aged well like they're it's just uh but at the time it was that same national upswell and captain america rode that wave so he could be seen that way too as being like the the best and worst of america and so trying to tell that story especially as a movie is a very, very hard road to hoe. Also because he has that history coming in. We, we've seen Captain America in all these different things. He's been in cartoons and comics and, and these other live action things that I was mentioning. So he's not as new to the scene as Iron Man would be for the not comic book fan audience because everyone knows Captain America, even if they don't read his, his stuff.
0: Do you think that was part of a safety net plan by Marvel? Like we should at least give them some characters that they know? that they are familiar with? I mean, because again, like you guys said, Iron Man was really, I mean, he yes, he did some stuff. He had that, you know, the comic that you guys were talking about. I mean, the cartoon and things, and obviously the comics. So was Captain America, like, we should have somebody in there that they're familiar with and that they will like?
1: Uh, I think that's part of it, but I also that he's he is pure Marvel. I mean, like, you know, he is one of the, the cornerstones. Like, you know, if you had the pillars of, of who would be holding up the the Marvel logo, Captain America is always there. So I think that that, and then knowing they were leading to the Avengers, because by this point, they knew they were doing the Avengers. Actually, I believe the Avengers were actually in production while Captain America was yeah it had to be, because there was a scene from Avengers at the end of Thor. So it was like, that was the Avengers movie was going to happen. So having Cap as there and then that leading into Cap being the sort of the POV character into Avengers, I think was always part of the plan. But this movie could have very, very easily gone wrong. But uh, let me, just before I get I – mean, that's a good transition point. But just one last note about the comics before we do that. The the comic books at the moment that the movie came out were actually on one of the highlights of Captain America's run I would say. And even even from then to now is was still one of the highlights and that was when Ed Brubaker was writing it. But I don't want to get into that because most of what Ed Brubaker did – it shows up in the Captain America sequel. Hmm. So I'm going to leave that discussion for then. But – so then moving into the movie, they – it could have very easily also been a comic book version of Saving Private Ryan. Like there's been so many World War II movies and like how do you make a World War II movie with a superhero and have people actually excited about it that they're not disappointed that there's superheroes in World War II and – or disappointed that there's World War II and as a superhero. I mean that's that – it's that you got chocolate my peanut butter thing but – would it work? So I think they chose probably the best person for the job, and that's Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is a is a guy who is not a highly in-demand director, not because of his talents, just because he doesn't, do, he doesn't work a lot. I, I don't know if that's his choice or Hollywood's choice, but he's only made a very, very small amount of movies. He came up through the Lucasfilm team, and he was a special effects guy. So he actually worked on... Star Wars A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was one of the special effects uh, people and art directors for those movies. And then when he went over, then he became a feature film director himself. And he's only done, I'd say, maybe 10. 10, 15 movies. I guess you can look it up to find the exact number, but I know it's it's a very small amount of numbers for as as you know for his age essentially, and for how long he's been in Hollywood. But the 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 two that are most notable from that list, I would say, are probably Jumanji, yeah, which showed he could do special effects and exciting and all stuff, and The Rocketeer, which is one of my favorite movies, and also right in this time mm-hmm. period. You know, it's sort of that that in the world he can shows it's comic movie in. The in the, during World War Two, you know, it's fighting Nazis. It's it's super heroics. It's monsters. I mean, like well, monsters being like you know, uh, big tough guys that have to be fought. Um, that is a terrific movie. Uh, so I, anyone who has not seen that already, go watch that. You can see a lot of like I, I would imagine they watched that movie, looking for directors and went, oh yeah, this is our guy. So he was he was a, a I mean I think a really good choice because between that and then the the, the screenwriters they found a way. Of making us care about Steve Rogers before he becomes Captain America. Mm -hmm. So it's that it's the it's just like the it's like the Tony Stark model in terms of like you like this guy whether he's in or out of the costume. You care about Steve before he ever becomes Captain America, and and it's the movie is so good that you're going along a while before you remember, oh, yeah, right, He's has to, he, hasn't had the suit, he hasn't had the suit or the shield. I mean, all these things are, are slowly added in because you're just following Steve's story.
0: Well, and the way the movie did it, that he, like you said, that he doesn't go right into the war, mm-hmm. that sort of adds all that in, too, because you don't expect that. I mean, I know we'll get there as we go through the movie, but mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. Yeah. You know, after he runs after the Hydra agent... You know, and does all of that stuff. Saves the kid, leaps into the river. Yeah. You know, stops the sub. Yeah. How would you not use this guy? <laughs> you're right. And the fact that the general doesn't want him, I re- I remember being very surprised by that. Yeah. And so you're right in that that allows us to f- spend more time with Steve versus. Just Captain America.
1: Yeah, exactly. They start, they start out the movie almost exactly like Thor, which I hadn't really put together until I watched back to back. It's modern. Uh, an SUV full of people is going through a harsh storm thing and finds something odd. It was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how Thor started. <laughs> it's the same way of like. Hey, everybody, it's now, it's here, it's our world, It's everything's okay, and then we're going to go back and show you some other stuff. And they do that, both of them, like we go to Asgard or we go to uh, the 1940s, which are just as foreign to some people. Um, so, yeah, so we meet young Steve and uh, – you, you, uh, we, you, and I watch this together, so I know we, we've had some of these conversations too. But the movie understands Steve Rogers on such a fundamental level that you can't help but be on his side. And there's and there are two scenes that we talked about. You, you and I both mm-hmm. we disagree a little bit about which is more important, but I think basically they are two sides of the same coin, or they're two vitally important things. And the first one is they're both Doctor Erskine, so. We see Steve as the young guy and he's you know trying to – he wants to go to, to fight the war and he can't because he's a little scrawny guy. And then he goes and goes to the World's Fair and then tries again and he meets Dr. Erskine and Dr. Erskine says, why do you want to kill Nazis? And, he's, and basically Steve says, I don't want to kill Nazis. I don't like bullies. And like it's, that's like a thunderbolt. It's like, oh my god, that's exactly right. That's exactly Steve Rogers. He's not looking for the fight. He's not looking to kill guys. He's not the punisher. He he just wants to stand up for the little guy because he is the little guy, which leads into the second most important scene, right before he goes in for the experiment, and that's the saying like it's it, what's in, it, the, the serum takes what's inside you and amplifies it. So it's more important to be a good man, and that's that's what you like. You know, that's what Doctor is trying to get to him. It's not about how hard you can punch or how how far you can run. It's about being a good person and using that for good. Well, and I it's like. Those two points are just, yeah. those are the bedrock of Captain America.
0: And you're right. It really does explain and show Steve in a very different way. I love the part where he's in the army being trained before they've made the choices on who is going to be. And they show how smart he is and how considering he is, like how much he thinks about things. He's not a reactor. He doesn't just, yeah, you know freak out or explode I think all of that that between those two scenes is all that army stuff and Mm -hmm. you know I guess you could make an argument that all of that together gives us everything we need to know about who Steve Rogers is and then who Captain America would be if he gets picked from crawling (laughs) under the barbed wire when the other guy like knocks it out to you know the flag (laughs) I love when he Mm -hmm. has the flag (laughs) he just goes and pulls the pin and the whole thing whoop (laughs) And he gets in the, it gets yep. him and he's so polite. He doesn't rub it in your face. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, what would you call it? Celebrate. He doesn't parade around. Mm-hmm. And then you have that again, that most important scene about being a good person and, and things like that. That whole section just really lays it all out there. You can really see the heart of the movie.
1: Yes. And the grenade. Like, and, and like, because because he, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is the, as the, uh, the general, uh, the colonel, uh, The colonel basically throws that out there to see what happened, and Steve doesn't even think. He instantly reacts. like He doesn't think about himself. It was to save everyone else.
0: The colonel, Tommy Lee Jones, whatever his name, colonel, whatever, he's doing it to prove the doctor wrong. Yes. And the fact that that blows up in his face so brilliantly.
1: Uh, Colonel Phillips.
0: You know, this guy, Phillips, the guy that, you know, the colonel wants – is one of the first ones that runs away and hides behind a truck, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Which is that's, which like it goes to show Dr. Erskine basically saying, that's why, right. Not because he's big, not because he's strong. That's the reason that he's the right man for the job.
0: That's right. It's, it's a really that, like I said, that whole series. So that's what a 20 minutes or so of mm-hmm. the movie from the first, you know, him at the world's fair, trying to get in to yep. that conversation about why you picked me is really the core. It's the heart of this movie.
1: Yeah, and then from there, it's like, all right, well, now you can understand why people would follow him. You know, follow Captain America into the gates of hell.
0: Well, that's what that's what Bucky says later, right? Like, because he says, "You're oh, you're following Captain America," and and Bucky says, "No, I'm following that kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. It's about Steve, yeah. not Captain America." And again, I think that's right. what the things the movie really got right, because they show you that. It's really Steve Rogers and he happens to wear a costume and have this funky name, but it's really Steve Rogers that everybody loves.
1: Yeah. Which brings us to Chris Evans. Oh my gosh! A, yes, a brilliant piece of casting, and 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 from what I understand, uh, a a not a particularly easy one. Like they were putting together the movie, and apparently they went through almost all of young Hollywood to try and find somebody to do this because it's to do this job. <laughs> it's such it's such a fine line between being like you have to be you know obviously you know, athletic and handsome and all that stuff. But you have to have that certain thing that's not – OK, so uh, something like that, what Will Smith does extremely well, like what he does with, uh, in Men in Black or in Independence Day. He's cocksure. He's like basically like, I got this. I'm good. You know, like, like like. did you see that? I mean that sort of thing. He's, he's fantastic at it, but that's not Captain America. You need something, a very, very different kind of energy – for it where it's like it's not about like it's not about showing off it's not about look what just happened it's, it's about getting the job done and bringing everybody home it's a very different energy and a very very difficult thing to find
0: am i correct in my recollection that chris didn't really want this role that he had done you know he had been in the fantastic four he had done superhero yeah. stuff and he was sort of like i did that i'm kind of done with that is that am i correct that's
1: it you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He had he had done uh, Human Torch and, and and once again, Chris Evans is a, is a good actor that he actually had done that energy before. The Human Torch being like a very like, hey, how's it going ladies kind of guy. And also in The Losers, he's that kind of guy too, smarmy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and like, how's was, you know. How you doing? Yeah, exactly. That kind of, <laughs> yeah. When this was... When this movie, By the time Captain America came out, Marvel was up and you know, the, the train was rolling and they'd already been sold at Disney. I mean, it, it was a big, big deal. So when they came to Chris, he was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes, I've done this before. But also, he knew his life would change. And Chris is not your quintessential celebrity where he wants all the attention and stuff. So he actually, in real life, what I've been told, I, I don't know him personally, though I feel like I do, uh, he's very calm, very centered, very private. So he knew if he took on this and become Captain America and it's your giant face on the side of a building, his life would never be the same. Uh, so he really waited and they uh, uh, they even came to him multiple times like they would they would sort of come to him and say like look you're the guy and he's like yeah i'm just i'm just i can't i don't i don't want to be that person and then they would go and try out a bunch of other people and be like no they, you're the guy like they like you, we know that this is what it is and so it took a lot of convincing him and him on his side a lot of soul searching to be like am i going to feel like an idiot if i walk away from this like the chance to be captain america am i going to look back and go oh man that could have been me you know or is it? Am I? Am I be content like that? And so I think he talked to Robert Downey Jr. Apparently, and, and about how his life had changed, and sort of the between the two of them, they came to an understanding and went, "Okay, I can, I can do this." And 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 the world thanks you, <laughs> because I cannot think of a better person.
0: And what a good person to talk to, like you guys said before in, in the previous episodes, Robert was not in a place of no. extreme stardom so here's somebody who has lived through it what a good person to go
1: talk to yes yeah he'd seen it from from every side you know he'd been he'd been at the top and he'd been to the very very bottom and so he could get an idea of to appreciate what this would be uh, to go on this journey together
0: chris is amazing though i mean he just yeah. fits so well and it, again in previous podcasts you've talked about marvel and their ability to cast and they yeah. thank goodness they pushed for this
1: yes I, I've, I've heard some other names about who would even try to even Sebastian Stan was tried out for Captain America but it was I think it was it was the the perfect guy in the perfect role at the perfect time that's the the the, the, the I say it again the alchemy of of Marvel like they're mm-hmm. <laughs> they putting the right people in the right places uh putting it together as but but even that I, I have I have my list I all I do is write down the actors names because every single one of them is Amazing in this movie, <laughs> like right down to the one or two line roles, are really interesting people. Yeah, we have Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones who shows up as the woman who wants to show her appreciation to Captain America for all the people he saved. She would eventually be going to be a, a pretty big television star and hopefully movies are And then, actually, one of the people who at, during the uh the montage scene where Captain America is doing his USO tour, one of the women who runs up to him to get his autograph. Uh, is Laura Haddock, who would go on to be the fa- the mother of Star Lord. It, it's a long Marvel tradition of uh, of having actors like play they. So maybe that was her grandmother. Sure, why not? Just like uh, the uh, oh, I can't remember what the the actor's name is, but um, one of the one of the Howling Commandos went on to play his own grandson because he eventually shows up again in Spider-Man as the principal, Kenneth Choi, who played uh, Jim Morita. Uh, he is the principal at spider mans School in Spider-Man Home. Oh my gosh, yes, he is. And in the background, you see a framed picture of himself in World War II.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think my brain just dribbled out onto
1: the floor. <laughs> the idea that he's, he is his own grandson, but it's one of those, like, it's a nice way of... Playing <laughs>
0: I am my own grandpa. Yeah.
1: Um, but okay. So let go back. So those are the, the, Oh, and also, uh, two doctor who connections. We have David Bradley, uh, who is the, um, Norwegian historian that, uh, the red skull kills the being to find the Tesseract. Uh, he was not only filch in, um, Harry Potter, but he was, he actually went on to play the first doctor in the, in the last episode of doctor who, the twice upon a time, he, uh, Got to play the first doctor. Uh and then Jenna Coleman. Jenna Coleman, uh companion to the doctor, um uh was one of the girls that uh Bucky and Cap were escorting around the uh World's Fair.
0: I don't know if you can call him Cap yet when he's at the World's oh, yeah, Fair. Sure.
1: Yeah, Stephen Bucky, you know, Stephen Bucky.
0: And we have not talked about your favorite agent. Atwell
1: Carter. Oh. Oh yes, Agent Carter. I love Agent Carter. She's it's such a great it's such a great part and oh, such a great actress in yes, the role.
0: Absolutely, I, I'm so
1: glad that they have used her multiple times. And it's like every movie is better <laughs> when she shows up. It is. It is <laughs> an awesome. Just that much more. Like oh,
0: there she is again. It's it's an awesome role. Um, you know the fact that they gave a woman in World War II a woman. Yes. The role that they gave her as a character, when she takes out that swarmy, snarky guy that's in the the group that's trying to become the super soldier, and she tells him to step forward and put his right foot, and then she like clocks him. It's awesome. She's such a strong character, strong woman, yeah, strong exactly. character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you want to? Did you want to you have your your? One false note in that? No. That you mentioned while we were watching it?
0: I guess so. It kind of bothers me that when Steve is in the test and it's getting tough and he's, you know, yelling and it's rough, that she comes running out to the, out from the viewing, you know, the room, the viewing room at the rail and it's like, stop it, stop it. And I just, it just does seem false to me. I understand that she sort of has starting to have feelings for him but every single man in that room doesn't even twitch in their chair and we had to have the woman run to the railing and you know and I, yes I know the doctor sort of agrees but I kind of wish it had been the doctor saying stop and then Steve says no no go ahead do it I can do it versus her I, it just it seemed like it just doesn't fit I mean she is this incredibly strong woman I mean obviously jumping way ahead But I mean, she's on the she's on the radio with him when he's on the plane and Mm -hmm. has that carries that conversation where she knows she's never going to see him again and carries on this conversation. And she's upset and crying for any number of reasons. Just the fact that you're human and you're talking to someone who is about to kill themselves. um, And she handles that with such dignity and grace and aplomb to me is in direct opposition to her that thing like i just feel like they it just seemed like a bad writing it was a cheap a cheap way to do it because the doctor would never say to stop you know i don't know it just bothers me yeah
1: yeah it's not it's not a, it's not a bad point I, I didn't feel it as strongly as that but i mean i can see that too i, I think because because every other time we see her do anything um it's from a position of strength even i mean even in her whole sort of jealous her her moment of jealousy or whatever, where she pulls out a gun and tries and shoots the shield, you know, she knew, (laughs) (laughs) she knew that it was going to be fine, you know, she was just taking out her aggressions too. But from that moment, she has the, the stop, you're hurting him. But then the next thing is her with a pistol. Right. (laughs) Taking out guys in the street.
0: Oh my gosh. When she stands out there and shoots and takes those guys out in the car. I mean, again, like. It just seems so not, it seems like if she would have said something, I feel like it would have been done differently than running almost hysterically to the railing and yelling down. And maybe that's the part that I have the trouble with. Not that she wanted it stopped, but how she goes about doing it. Because because I agree. Yeah. I mean, she helps Steve go and to go help and rescue those soldiers. And she's getting her butt handed to her by the colonel, and she stands and takes it.
1: Yeah, well, I understand. I mean, I've I got my own things that, like, jump out that make me, you know, cringe a little bit. Um, but but I think Haley was fantastic in the whole movie. She was great, and, and so much so that her strong performance that she then went on to, you know, reappear multiple times. I I thought Stanley Tucci was terrific. Like, he, I, it's too bad that Dr. Erskine doesn't have a, a better – uh, fate because I really would like to see more of his stuff because every scene he was in was was great and then Timothy Jones like I remember asking someone said, Asked him, "What are you doing in this movie?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a colonel. I helped." He's like, "No, no. What are you doing in this movie?" <laughs> and he said,
0: "Oh, like, why would you be in a superhero movie? Like, why would you be part of this?" Yes,
1: and basically his thing was, "I wanted to something that my you know my kids and grandkids could see." You know, and and I think what's great about Tommy Jones is apparently he can be kind of gruff and even on, on set and stuff too but he is serious but funny and charming in this movie like he is he's exactly what you want him to be like he's exactly like that's it is a i don't know if it was a tommy Lee jones part but he made it exactly a tommy Lee jones part where you can't imagine anybody else doing it quite as good just his, his little comments and asides
0: <laughs> i love when he comes in after they've captured the hydra scientist i'm sorry i am really bad with all of their oh, names Sola. yeah Yeah, and he has that – the tray and it's food and what's in it and he's like, cow. (laughs) Like, you know, because he says it's steak. Well, what's inside it? Cow. (laughs) You know, and then he starts eating. Like, I just think some of that was really awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, Toby Jones, also a Doctor Who alumni, he's one – uh, one episode Doctor Who um, as Arnim Zola. Uh, I think Arnim Zola is an interesting character because uh, through the movie, you, you he has the because Toby Jones is such a great actor, he has just these looks and these asides and stuff too, where you think, oh, he doesn't like what he's up to, like he doesn't he he feels bad about this. He has a conscience, and I don't think that uh, that's true at all. And I think by the by the end, you see that Zola is always out for Zola. <laughs> yeah, like is he a true believer in Hydra? Yeah, maybe, but he likes the fact that he gets. To to Do all these fantastic experiments on stuff, and he is willing to do anything to save himself. He is he is incredibly selfishly motivated when it turns when it comes time to sell out Hydra. Okay, <laughs> it gets me living longer. Sure, and I you know like and then we'll we'll find out that uh, that. That decision has ramifications down the line, too, of them uh, uh, bringing him into the fold, like uh, o- Operation Paperclip kind of thing. But that's that's for future sequels. Uh, but then that leads us to... Uh, Schmidt! show himself! Herr Schmidt! Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Yeah. I- again, of one of those brilliant pieces of casting. Of course! You bring him in and have him be, you know, in his... Uh, fire up the German accent and, and...
0: He's a brilliant actor. And
1: he's incredibly intimidating. Like, he's got that that bearing like you know we've seen him as an elf we've seen him as a an artificial intelligence and this he just has that like oh yeah presence
0: if you're if you're intimidating with little pointy ears and a robe what do you do in a nazi uniform <laughs> yeah i mean he just is a fantastic actor and he did a really great job i mean i'm not a huge fan of the red skull when he's the red skull sure. like i find that a little i don't know but i guess maybe because they didn't explain it mm. But he's an incredible, um, evil, you know, villain, like, you know, the Red Skull and things. Not Hugo, but the Red Skull. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's I'm pushing up my nerd glasses here. Um, the, the idea is that the only time that the super soldier serum ever worked perfectly was with Captain America because of Dr. Erskine's thing. His, his prototype formula gave the same essentially, physical abilities to schmidt but it also scarred his body and then you know basically they talked about like you know it, it essentially made it, i think he's i believe he's red all over it's not just the skull but um, i was
0: just gonna ask so it just took all of his skin off so no, what you would think compress- is that he's in up
1: a- it like sort of like compressed it compressed so it. it's a, yeah it's sort of like almost uh, like thick now I mean, it's, it's sort of like it's like basically pulled everything in tight around his body
0: Okay, but then that doesn't explain the lack
1: of nose. <laughs> well, because that, that's just that extra fleshy piece that sort of fell off. Mm, okay. and, uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's Marvel logic. It's like how did Captain America become Captain America? Vita rays. He asks Stanley, <laughs> what are vita rays? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> just sounded good.
0: So we're supposed to think that that the formula has been improved? Well, yes. But he changed it.
1: Yes, that, that because it wasn't read. Like when he's he's doing the montage when we see you know, all the 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 history of hair of Herr Schmidt, he's talking about how the formula wasn't ready yet, and Schmidt just basically like said, "No, oh, it's good enough," and took it, and that's what did it. It, it, it not only did that thing, it, it emphasized like his evil, made his evil eviler, but also then twisted his body, and we'll see that later on. An imperfect version of the formula is used on. Blonsky and he becomes the abomination. So it's the same kind of thing. It's if you don't have the whatever whatever Dr. Erskine figured out that never told anybody, anytime that it's used on anybody else, it does something physically terrible to them.
0: So you're saying that the gamma radiation stuff that turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk is an offshoot of the super soldier program. Yes.
1: It's, it's the same program. So the, the, the idea is that the super soldier program has been going on the whole time. Like they, they had we worked at Captain America and they sort of had to go back to, to the start. Now I, I would say they, it probably went underground and they were doing some other stuff, but I, we might see, I, I can't remember any other time that stuff has shown up. Maybe on it's shield. You know, it's not coming to me, but in the Incredible Hulk, then they pull out one of Captain America's blood samples. They use the the gamma radiation program because you know, that was that was what Bruce's program was. Is
0: oh, so they didn't have the Vita stuff, the Vita
1: rays. Well, yeah, whatever it is that whatever yeah whatever whatever Doctor Erskine's contribution was. So they had to use a, a, a trying to re-engineer the formula out of Captain America's blood from 1940, you know, what, what 44 or whatever it is that he was uh, transformed, and then using the super soldier program has now moved into gamma radiation, which it works, except it
0: <laughs> has some side effects, has
1: some side effects and that you can't control it. And once yeah. it goes, it it. You know? um, so they tried to combine the two and then we get abomination, abomination.
0: but again, so it wasn't ready. I'm sorry. Right. This is where my, my nerd, my geek, not nerd my geek cred falls apart i don't know all the you have to explain some of this stuff to no, me this is why
1: this is why i'm hosting the podcast is because i think about this stuff <laughs> way too much
0: so as a whole we've talked about all the characters and we've mm-hmm. talked about you know yes. the director what is the take on the movie the whole movie
1: this is this is absolutely one of my favorite movies i it's, it's one of those things i can just throw it on at any point and, and i can't even count how many no, times i've watched it <laughs> it's one of those things where like you know it's saturday afternoon walking around we'll just throw it on because you can come in and out of it and you're fine no matter where you are it's it's it, i mean like you say it has it has some flaws but overall i, I think it's it's i i can't imagine a better way they could have they could have told that story especially the ending. It and it ends it is not everything is not super and fantastic and wonderful at the end like you know obviously he is there our modern times but that means he you know everyone he knows essentially is dead which it will till do with the ramifications of that
0: well 70 years
1: a lot changes in 70 years yes so it's like this character that we've known all this time then all of a sudden he's transplanted that of course leads us into the future ones but yeah i think i mean every like we can talk about even sebastian stan too as as, as bucky
0: oh we yes we didn't talk about that but to back up just a second you know we've got had a history of origin story movies yes. and maybe too many of mm-hmm. them told too many times spider-man i'm looking at you I feel like as an origin story that this one is very good and it doesn't feel as, um, yes, we know you know this, but we have to tell it anyway because we have to start at the beginning. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm wondering why you think that
1: is. I think because of how much time and attention they took into getting us to know Steve. Yeah, and, and how much character they put into like what is he like and what, and, and, and I think. Because I watched, I've seen every Spider-Man movie – and every time it's like, oh God, just get him bit! Like, just get in the suit! Like, I want to. Like, I came to Spider Man movies to see Spider Man, not to see Peter Parker. And with the Marvel movies, especially, and, and Captain America, I think is being one of the best examples of this. They're the same because it's like uh, Steve is Steve, no matter if he's wearing the costume or not. So I don't, it doesn't bother me when he takes the helmet off, or you know, like he's because he is the same guy, no matter where he is no matter where he, he is because he's carrying all this stuff around with him uh, and so I think that's that's where they they did the origin story right it's not only setting it in the World War II to, to see the environment of the Captain America because they could have easily started this movie with a montage and then he wakes up from the ice and it's Captain America adjusting to modern times and like oh wait there's still some enemies from the past have found something and he has to they could have easily done a, a movie like that where it's about getting Captain America back in the field uh, but they didn't. They went all the way back and showed us what his life was like as a regular kid, and then as a soldier, uh, and then as a super soldier. So we got to see all. And and as far as Captain America was concerned, he's dead. Like you know, he like you know, he when he put that plane down, he was going to yeah. die. So for him, the journey was over. And now he's waking up in the afterlife, essentially, and now we got to do this all over again. And so we'll, we'll see the ramifications, you know, ramifications of that as the sequels go on. But that is a, is a really bold choice for them to do because it could have – they could have easily fallen on their face in the World War II stuff. That people are going to be like, oh, I don't want that – like really? Another World War II movie? Uh, and it ends up being interesting and compelling and, and you get to see because you're following your boy Steve. And I think that's really where Marvel shines is they – they, they emphasize the character, not the situation. So it was, it was not about the Red Skull. It was not about World War II and blowing stuff up. It was about Steve Rogers' journey and how he gets from there to there.
0: I think that's really very well stated. And I think you're probably right because, like I said, we've seen several origin stories by others and they don't carry the same resonance. Yeah,
1: when you're watching a Batman movie, you don't want to see Bruce Wayne.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, but anyway, I don't want to stop from talking about Sebastian Stan as he is. Oh, yeah, he
1: was, he was very, awesome. Yeah, he was another one of those guys that sort of like picked out of obscurity. He his biggest role, I think, previous to that had been the Mad Hatter on Once Upon a Time. I wow, mean, he was not. He's not one of those guys you pick up like, oh yeah, that like you'd say his name, and you would go, yeah, that guy. It's like you go, who who is this now? And uh, we we were talking a little bit like about uh, how much did Marvel know and how much did they plan. I, I really don't know if they had intended yeah. for him to. Uh, you know uh, come back as Bucky as, as we'll see in the future sequels spoiler alert uh, for those of you who are, are watching this one at a time
0: <laughs> I hope that everybody knows yeah
1: so that and, and that's that's actually where the Ed Brubaker stuff comes in that was that was his idea which I will talk about that's right uh, I had
0: asked you whether he do you think he was brought in saying like this is where it's going
1: To a certain extent, yes. However, he did not know he was going to be in the sequel until one of his friends called him and said, hey, they just announced the Captain America sequel. It's called The Winter Soldier. And he went, great. They're like, no, man, that's you. He went, oh. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he he might have kind of known, but he wasn't like until that moment, he didn't know like fully like, oh, wait. Hey, I'm going to be like second lead in that movie. Yay. (laughs) Uh, The the Bucky – Origin is, is a little bit different, even from like so. There was the, in the original comics, he was Robin. I mean, let's let's not put <laughs> let's not uh, too fine
0: a point on it. Yeah,
1: he he was absolutely Robin. He was he was the it was the Teen Sidekick was the hot thing at the time. Everybody had a Teen Sidekick, and this was Captain America's Teen Sidekick.
0: So when you say Teen Sidekick, was he really? Like a teenager,
1: he was a teenager. Yes, in the original, like in the original comics, the original intention was that he was a teenager. Like he was with the soldier, but he was not like enlisted. Okay. so they weren't
0: friends per se before, like contemporary peers. No, not really.
1: He, he was just like a, he was a kid who was there, and like he discovered Captain America's secret secret identity, which was like at the time was like, oh yeah, secret identities. Remember when that was a thing? Marvel went no. <laughs>
0: That's another good thing, actually, if they got rid yes. of. Yes,
1: and so then he comes in, and, and he's and, and like they bring him along, and so he becomes the teen psychic. So, how, so that's that's how actually the they they wrote Captain America's sort of end was they were fighting Baron Zemo, and Baron Zemo had a a rocket bomb. Not a missile, a rocket bomb that was going to uh, go and destroy probably New York. That's usually where things would go. And Bucky went, I'll stop with Cap, and he jumped onto the rocket bomb as it got on there, and he got caught in it. And so he, and then it blew, and his arm got caught, and it blew up, and he died. And so that was a big thing of like, oh my God, they killed Bucky. That's a, that's a, uh, You bastards. Um, uh, and so that, when, when he shows up again, that's why he's missing the arm. Yes,
0: but he died so much better falling from that train. Than being blown yes, up by a yes. rocket bomb. So, I was, You know what I was going to say, so though?
1: We'll get, into, we'll get into more of the Bucky stuff, too, but that's that's essentially what, that, that's how he originally died in the Conquest. We'll talk more about that stuff and, and when we get to the Winter Soldier, yeah. about the more history of Bucky, but that's that's Bucky's saying He was a teenage kid.
0: I was going to be indignant about how dare you take a teenage kid into World War II, and then I realized that most of the enlisted guys who were, who were out there fighting were probably right. teenage I mean, kids. Captain America so.
1: himself, but I mean, it, it probably was supposed to be, you know, he was 18, 19, Maybe they don't really yeah, say, yeah. but essentially, you know, he's, he's in his, like, even if you, if you take away the, the time he spent sleeping, he's in his twenties.
0: Hmm. I guess I hadn't really figured the math that way, but yeah, it's a right. tends
1: to age a person. So, I mean, he's kept seeing wow. some stuff.
0: Oh, so here's the thing that we yes. need to talk about. I know we're getting yes. towards the mm-hmm. end of the movie that we're talking about. You need to talk about Chris Evans and his ability to be Captain America and the stunt men, because that is one of the new things that you have brought to my attention. And I just think that is yeah, fascinating. Was, so yeah, uh, I think you need to tell so, the listeners. Yeah, that's the thing is,
1: they, they hire Chris Evans because he's, he's handsome, he's charismatic, he's charming, he's a great actor. Uh, and they're like, can he physically do the role? Because he's been in good shape but he never was that. So he really bulked up. And they found that he is such a great natural athlete that he could do the stunts better than almost anybody could, and if you watch any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, you'll see that all the stunt team is like, "Yeah, we'll let Chris do it." Like, like there's the there's the scene where um they, uh, in where he's liberating the guys from the Hydra base, uh, and there's a the thing where he has to run across the base jump up on top of a tank, flip over, jump and then roll onto the top of a building and run it down the way, that's actually Chris Evans because they found he could do it better than any of the stuntmen and then they didn't have to have any stuntmen to try and match his performance. They said anything they show him, they show it to him twice and he can do it. It's I mean, there's that whole thing of like, I do my own stunts, but like really Chris Evans was so physically gifted that they let him do pretty much anything they can and then they don't have to worry about fighting a double and doing he has a double and and does a lot of the the more dangerous stuff. Um but he is a a, a great natural athlete. And any of the behind the scenes stuff you watch him doing, like you can see him just picking it up (laughs) and even doing it all with with a giant shield and with the outfit and all these kind of things. He is a a physical, physical guy. And that's that which is which you really need with Captain America too. They didn't have to to fake it at all. So yeah, that was it's it's impressive watching all those behind the scenes things with him and them.
0: And so that you brought up the shield. So do we consider the shield to be its own character? <laughs> kind of. I mean, supporting or leading yeah. role?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely supporting. Um, that, that, I think that that's that's really funny. We, we'll see later on where he learns to bounce it off of things too, but we see a lot of really fun stuff. I mean, the shield is a very, very important part of Captain.
0: Again, going back to with Steve and, and – uh, not Steve. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Chris. To <laughs> go back to Chris, like how much of – did he really have to throw and catch that shield? Like how much of that was real? Well, he carried it and
1: stuff too. But the throwing stuff, most of that was CGI. Because then they could have the shield go sort of wherever they wanted it to. So he usually is not throwing anything. So he had to just get that physical motion. But even that famous shot of him like throwing it right at the camera, he wasn't throwing anything. He was just like doing the motion. But he's a good enough physical guy. Oh, that's yeah, a but he's a good physical guy that he probably threw it a couple times just to get what it would physically be like. And then he could just recreate the motion.
0: But that's so impressive, I guess, really, when you think about it, because to actually hold something that it would be, I mean, obviously, I know that it's not, it's light in, in respect for the size, probably, because that was the whole point of the, that metal, and it was so strong and light, but to actually throw something and what that does to your body, when you actually have something Mm -hmm. in your hand, versus pretending, I just always am impressed with that. Like, I know that, like, when we've talked about, like, um, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and they talk about like Orlando Bloom and the fact that there were no arrows.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: You know, but he had to do that motion and he had to look like there was an arrow. Yeah. And he had to look – like that to me is hard. Right. Faking that kind of physical stuff is hard because yeah. your body – your muscles do things differently. Yeah,
1: and carrying the weight of the shield even when it's 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 cardboard or whatever it was that, at the time. or yeah. Or even Thor with like having to have this wild hammer that probably was just, you know – piece of plastic <laughs> having to make it seem like it's the most impressive one yeah. i
0: find that really Im- i get caught in the muscles men's muscles flexing <laughs>
1: well i mean and and so did hayley atwell in that scene when chris emerges too where she like, like she, uh, that was, apparently that was uh, an instinct with her she just like saw that was like oh and just it she didn't
0: that was not scripted was not when scripted. she touches that it that was
1: just it was just something she just reacted in the moment and they kept it in the movie <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's one of those things. If you if you had never seen it before, it's it was a fun thing to watch out for because like as she as he's standing there, she reaches out and touches his peck just really quick <laughs> before moving on.
0: Well, you commented about involuntary peck yeah. touch. I didn't yeah. realize that it truly like was Haley involuntary. Yeah. I thought it was like supposed to be involuntary by Peggy, you know, Agent Carter.
1: Yeah, no, that really was that. It was really it was just uh her in the moment.
0: He does look very impressive when he comes out of that capsule. Yeah. In those, we had Do we have to talk about the pants too? Uh, yeah, right.
1: the, the the magical growing pants, the same pants that the Hulk has. The waistline expands. That's I, right. I like that they were they became high water pants though. That was a that was a good touch that they.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because we did, we checked. Because we said, you know, I don't know, you, it's too hulky if he comes out in shorts.
1: Ripped up shorts. So, I uh, have one last trivia note and then we'll sort of do our, our, our final wrap up here because uh, okay. we're in time. Um, uh, I, I found someone had actually gone through and translated what the Howling Commandos say. So, the scene where he's rescued the Howling Commandos, that that's the – oh, if, if you don't know, that's the, the group of guys that were rescued by Captain America, like sort of the, the featured actors that he rescued from the HYDRA base. Uh, guy in the the uh, top hat and the African-American guy, the Asian guy, the, the French guy. Uh, French guy. Um, those are actually a, a group of characters from the comics uh, called the Howling Commandos. They were um, –
0: well, they became his backup, right? Like they were his team. In
1: the in the comic books, it was actually Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. Nick Fury was actually a soldier in World War II, but I think they they decided not to do that for Samuel L. Jackson.
0: I think that was a good choice.
1: Yeah. Well, it makes meeting
0: Nick in the future. I think carry more gravitas. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go back yeah, to anyway, that.
1: So so uh, so Cap frees them, and then the next scene is is he goes back and meets them in the bar. Uh, for those of you who don't know, what I'm talking about it's the scene with the red dress. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They forgot there were men in that scene, right?
1: Uh, so they go. He goes and sits down with them and uh, and and says, like, basically, here's my plan. I want to go back in and get that. And so, so at one point, uh, the the French, yeah, I think let's see, his name is uh, Jacques Denaire, played by Bruno Ricci. Uh, he says something in French, and then um, uh, Derek Luke, playing Gabe Jones, answers him. Uh, and they go back and then uh, so and there was and so somebody actually translated that and so what he says is he says I will fight until the last of those bastards are dead, chained or cry like a little baby. And then Derek Luke responds, I hope it'll be all three. And he, <laughs> and he says, me too. And then they both turn to Captain America and, and that's basically, like, "Oh yeah, we're in."
0: That's pretty cool.
1: So overall, you. yes, Captain America: First Avenger is a is a great great movie. I think it's a it's a great start to a great series. We're gonna see, uh, you know, uh, multiple down the line, uh, some some great Captain America stuff too, and this this just sets the scene for it too. And then speaking of seeing their their last scene, uh, we have in this the the post credits scene is actually, a pretty much a trailer for the Avengers. This is where we're headed next. That, that, that's it leads directly into that. Like even even some uh, some scenes from the end of this end up being uh, the start of that. But yeah, it's a, it's it is uh, I think. Pound for pound, probably their the best overall movie they've done. I love Iron Man, but I think this is the best movie they put together so far. Just like, uh, just a murderous row of talent in front of and behind the camera. I mean, like everybody is just perfect in their roles. There's nobody that in the uh, in the Whiplash vein where. They stand out a bit, <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's a great except that guy. Like, there's no that guy in this movie at all. <laughs> like, everyone, top, top to bottom, is, is doing great stuff uh, in front of and behind the scenes. It's it's and even and right down to the music too. It's a it's a it's a terrific terrific movie, and I was I was overjoyed to have to watch it again. And I probably wound up watching it again. What were your thoughts?
0: Um, I would agree. I think it really stands up. I think it holds up. I mean, again, going back to the whole idea of it as an origin story, a lot of times you don't want to go back and watch those again. I got that. I understand. I understand Peter was bit, you know, by a spider. I understand that, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, his parents died. I understand that Clark Kent's little spaceship crashed into the farm. And you don't want to always go back and see that again. And I agree. I enjoy watching this. I agree that I can go in at any point and sit down and I'm instantly in the movie And I I really do enjoy it. I don't know that I would say it is my favorite.
1: No, I wouldn't say it's favorite, but.
0: Because of what Marvel has done, which is, of course, why we're doing this, right? This whole road.
1: And just to allude to the future, Captain America is one of the few series that actually gets better every time one comes out.
0: Oh, yeah, that's actually (laughs) Captain America
1: First Adventure is a great movie, and it is the start of a great series. That, like, you know, with Iron Man, I don't think there's anyone out there who will say Iron Man 2 is better than Iron Man. No. Uh, but, no, but but a, a a serious case can be made for the the the, the two future Captain America sequels yes. are they better than the first Avenger? That is a very interesting conversation. I would that would be.
0: I, I think I would agree with that because usually when you have a series, the first one's good, the second mm-hmm. one is a bridge, it just yeah. needs to get us to the third. Yeah, and then some of the thirds are good and some of them are disappointments. I mean, obviously it's mm-hmm. hit
1: and miss. But yeah. I mean, we'll see that we'll see that with Thor as well,
0: right? But I feel like. All three of of the straight Captain America movie uh, Captain American movies are good. I, I can sit down and watch Winter Soldier. Same kind of thing. Come in almost at any part and sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. You don't get that a lot with second movies in a series. I certainly can't say that for Iron Man two. All right. So
1: that that pretty much covers uh, Road to Infinity Captain America. Uh, we have we have done our best to talk about as much as we possibly could to cover every base that we could possibly think of. I actually don't know where the song goes from here I can't keep doing that <laughs> 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 I couldn't remember if there was a third there we go there it is okay so uh, thank you all for listening uh, this has been The Road to Infinity Captain America uh, we are preparing ourselves because the the end of phase one comes next uh, that is The Avengers so uh, thank you Denise oh thank you for having me I was glad you could be here um we will uh, we will see you in the future. Like, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, and we'll see you further on up the road. You've been listening to the Road to Infinity podcast, brought to you by Legible Scrawl. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or even at our website at www.legiblescrawl.com. We'll see you further on up the road.